in the mall, they had like a, a cut, cardboard cutout stand up of the three of them at like a record store. And my mom went in there and begged them for it when they were done with it. My mom got a people's birthday. So I had a stand up cardboard cutout, like half the size of me, a blank one in my fucking bedroom. I, this is very personal, but I used to masturbate to Tom DeLong. I think every night, like I would look at his posters and like, it was so psycho. Like, I was like, I have a problem. <laughs> Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. It's that simple. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape each Monday, you should probably subscribe to this podcast. But that's enough of the hard sell. Let's talk about music. So I've decided to add a new section to the podcast. I've invited a number of bands to leave me a voicemail explaining who they are, what they do and where they're from. And I'm going to fade in a little bit of their music to introduce them to you. And in return, they are going to share this week's episode. Uh, it's very opportunistic, but I think it's got the right intention behind it in that I'm trying to share the spotlight with these emerging artists so hopefully I'm not being too much of a calculating prick but who knows but if you're enjoying the podcast so far I'd really appreciate it if you would follow me on Instagram at Mixtapes with Mike podcast that's where I share all the preview information about the podcast as well as general stand-up comedy shenanigans when the world is turning and I am allowed to tell jokes. Um, but Instagram is the main way that I try and promote the podcast, so getting more audience there is also a big help. So, yeah, do the thing and click on the thing. Hey, this is D. Frank, vocalist of French Mouth, based out of Los Angeles, California. I recommend you go listen to Electricity, the first song off of our Paper Tiger EP, if you need a little uh, inspiration for the day, as well as a reminder to stay true to yourself. Check out Electricity.
Hey Mike, it's St. Alto. I've been trying to get hold of you all afternoon. Pick up your phone, man. Uh, we need more money for the meet up. It was your turn, and now we're sitting in the dark. Oh, and you left the fridge open again, so everything's gone off again. Uh, anyway, we've got our song out, um, Afterlife. You can look it up on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever. We get like 0.0001p every time you play it, so if you could search for St. Alto Afterlife, you know, maybe we could pay to have the electricity back on. Nice one. Oh, and bring bread back with your mic. Nice one. Bring bread. Ta. Bye. It's Ryan M. Brewer. I'm a singer and a songwriter and co-host of Speakerphone Podcast with Mixtapes with Mike Alum, Michael Malone. If I could talk you into listening to just one of my tunes, I would choose a song called Aphrodite from my most recent record, Exorcism, because it uses Greek mythology as a tool to explore empathy and consent. And doesn't that sound like a barrel of monkeys? Anyway... Uh, check it out. Follow me at Ryan M. Brewer on all the things, if you wouldn't mind. Keep supporting independent music, keep supporting independent art, and keep supporting mixtapes with Mike. Appreciate you. What are you doing right now? You're under his body, you're treating him naughty, but I mean, where are you at right now mentally? Shaking from the love you're making. I know whatever he wants, he can have it. Did you offer it up or did he grab it? Cause you didn't want him to see. You fall in on Hey, this is Kirsten from The Marriage. You're about to hear our new track, Box and Burn It, from our debut album, Imagining Sunsets. And cry like nobody's there 
Holly. I'm the lead singer of hard rock slash grunge band Towers. Uh, we're a local band from Nottingham. Um, we have got one album which is available to listen to on Apple Music, Spotify and all the rest of the uh, musical platforms and we're currently writing our second album. Um, if I was to tell you to check out a track it would be our title track from the first album which would be Make Your Choice. Uh, I wrote that a very long time ago um, and it sort of came back to life when we made it into an actual song rather than just lyrics. Um, we have a music video for it as well, um, it's on YouTube if you wish to check it out. Um, so if you type towers you have to put dots between the letters for copyright reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, hopefully when music events are back up and running again we'll be gigging a lot next year, hopefully, if not the year after. We're not giving up that easily but yeah we're raring to go, ready to get back on stage. We've written about seven tracks for the new album and it's sounding pretty grungy. We're leaning towards that genre a little more. Uh, but yeah, excited for the future. Hi, my name's Rory. I make music under the alias Pleasure Trap. Uh, I'm a pop music artist from Brighton, and the song I'd like you to check out is Remedy. big vocals We're based on the North Wales border you can catch us everywhere at Daphne on music and on daphneon.com this one's called Road to Scope take care
Okay, so this week's guest is a Canadian stand-up comedian who, since moving to LA, has been featured in Bill Burr's The Ringers on Comedy Central. Not only that, in her native Canada, her stand-up albums have been nominated for a Juno Award, which apparently is the Canadian equivalent of a Grammy, so she's to be taken seriously. She is a massive music fan, Uh, That will come across clearly as you listen to the conversation and she may well be the filthiest guest I've had to date, but the episode is all the more amusing for it. So I hope you enjoy this. This is Steph Tolev. How are you doing? Good, how are you? You said my last name correctly. That's nice. Oh, that was such a gamble because I should have checked (laughs) with you before we started recording. Total gamble. Glad it paid off. Yes, because some people can't say it's Tolev, but some people can't say it. They have like a, it's very simple, I think, but people are very confused by it. My, my, yeah, I, I get all kinds of shit. It's, it's very rare that someone says my name, my surname correctly, because it's a, it's a Scottish name. So it's Dryborough, like you'd say Edinburgh, which mm-hmm. is how I have to explain it to people. And my workmates take the piss out of me for it. Um, but so often it's Deberg or Dryberg or it's, yeah. They can't do it. No, they just can't get it right. So I, I feel your pain. I don't know if you knew this about me. You probably didn't. Uh, I used to Highland dance my whole life. So I've been to Scotland, uh, I think about 10 times now. No my mother, way. My mother is still to this day a Highland dancing teacher. And uh, yeah, I danced from the age of three to 18. So... So what's very embarrassing? What, so, where, so, so, so where's the connection for that? There's none. I'm Bulgarian. It makes no sense. Nobody in my family is Scottish. My mom started teaching, and I it literally people are like, "What is wrong with you?" Like, when, I don't look like a dancer. Like, you can't see me, but I have a big fucking nose. I'm a loudmouth Bulgarian woman. I'm very Eastern European looking. I like to scare every man in LA, and I tell them that this is what every woman in Canada sounds like. <laughs> Like we've just been foraging through the woods our whole lives. I've survived off of only rainwater and bark. It's very rough to be me. It is throats lined with slivers. It's very hard. I was baptized in red and black plaid. That's real. Learned to portage when I was six years old. My parents like picked that up, listened for a stream. Walked the wrong way for 16 kilometers. Learned my lesson that day. That's how I got these legs. And also not sitting on toilets. Anyways, baby's been squatting for years. Yeah, I I competitively danced my whole life. And I actually weirdly started dancing again in my house during COVID for like exercise. Because it was like, I was in the best fucking shape of my life. Honestly, uh, I've I've been to Kaylee's at weddings and we we had a Kaylee at our wedding and like I don't I don't know why people are fucking around with Zumba because a Kaylee oh. is a workout. Strip the Willow is my favorite dance in the entire world. It is like if you don't know what it is, it's like you whip your partner around as fast as you can and you like go between it's like there used to be Kaylee's in Toronto and I, I went and it was like me and my two friends and these old ass Scottish people, but they don't exist here. Like if I said Kaylee in LA where I am now, people would be like, What the hell are you talking about? The, the gap in the market, mate. If you set uh, that shit up, because the, it only takes one group to, to participate and realize how much fun it is. And that it's shit It's so would, fun. Yeah. It's so fucking fun. And if you're sweating and you're drunk. At my sister's wedding, I had to con- repeatedly just go outside 
to get cold, fresh air because I was drenched. <laughs> but the, the, the fun thing is that the Scottish people will grab the English people who really don't know what they're doing and just start spinning them around. But quite often we'll jump in uh, and sort of steal them away from the partner that they sort of walked up to the dance with. So it completely discombobulates them and, and the, their partner's like, what the fuck? And they get grabbed by someone else. And it just throws them off and it's hilarious. So it's much fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. Now I'm going to be like trying to get a Kaylee going after COVID. Pre-COVID Kaylee. Honestly, yeah. if you if you find a bar and you can find a Kaylee band, I swear to God, if, if, it, if, if it caught, you would kill it. Oh yeah, I would. I have no problem teaching it, wearing one of those like, little mics that just like click into like a Bluetooth headset mic and be like, spin your partner, three, two, four. I used to do a very good Scottish accent. I can't hit that much anymore, but I used to be. But you could do crowd work in between. Oh music. yeah, I'd be riffing the crowd and ripping people new ones. It would oh, yeah. be amazing. Seriously, you've, got, so you've got to look into doing it. I think I will. Do it. I think I will. Amazing. Right, now, so for the benefit of people who haven't heard of you before this podcast, um, you are predominantly a stand-up comedian, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so how long have you been going? Well, yeah, I started comedy 18 years. I'm an old, uh, ancient woman. I started in improv, blah, 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 who cares, did sketch for a while, then stand-up. So, yeah, now I've been a um, full-time comedian for at least the last, probably last eight years. And I moved, um, yeah, I've lived in Toronto my whole life, but I moved out to L.A. five years ago. And how are you finding it? How are you finding it in L.A.? Good now. It took it took some time because I left Canada being like, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself for a full-time career. And then you get to L.A. and you're like, oh, you're a nobody. You're a pile of shit. No one gives a goddamn hell about you. So it's like you kind of have to start again, which was a bit of an ego uh, boost when you're coming into a scene after doing it for what 12 13 years and then no one gives a fuck about you or knows who you are You're like hmm right that's fine yeah okay so you can you kind of have to earn your chops all over again yes but because you already had that sort of baseline ability did you progress relatively quickly yes i think so too and i moved out here also on my own and didn't know a lot of people so all i did was go to shows every single night so i like kind of immersed myself in the scene really quickly and i was like i had nothing else to do but go check out shows and introduce myself and then yeah my comedy was a bit different i guess compared to a lot of the other um people out here so it was uh some people like it others do not <laughs> it's doesn't, fine no i think i'm doing well no it doesn't fine like you got you got put in for like bill burr's ringers right yes yes that's a big deal yeah it was pretty cool that's he's also the nicest man in the world oh man like um uh, there's a there's a there's a UK comic who I follow here. Like I've met him in passing. I don't I wouldn't say that he's a mate or anything, but like he got selected to open for Bill at the Albert Hall gig, um, and he he tells a story about when he sort of like meets him backstage and thanking him, and he sounds like a really good dude, like a very down to earth. Oh, so down to earth. Like I was, it was my first American TV uh, debut, so I was very nervous, and I was like pacing outside and it was like filmed downtown LA. So I was pacing in the back alleyway and I was like in my head and I just see this man coming up to me and I go, can I fucking help you? And then he like lifts his hat. He's like, it's Bill. And I'm like, 
oh my God, I thought you were homeless. He's like, what? And I'm like, oh my God, what? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, you thought I was homeless? I'm like, I don't know, the hat and the sweater? He's like, well, fuck me. And then walked inside and I was like, oh my fucking God. But then he came up to me after and he was like laughing. He's like, I can't believe you said I was homeless. I'm like, I can't either. But he like, wasn't like a piece of shit about it. Like, who the fuck are you talking to? Like, it was, it was very nice. He strikes me as the kind of person that would see the funny side or something like that. Yeah, he did. And he was like, just like totally chill talking to me because I was like pacing. I was very fucking nervous. It's weird when you've got a show that that puts the pressure on or you, you, you hold a, in this sort of high performance because no one gig is going to make or break you, but like a good, a good gig will help. It, I think it almost can break you though. I was like, if I bomb the set, like, I don't know what's going to happen because no one knows who I am, especially in the States, but it was, I ended up actually messing up a joke like during the recording and I was so panicked and I just stopped and I went, no, I'm taking that again. And the crowd got weird for a second. I'm like, shut the hell up all of you. And then they all like got on board and I like loosened them up. And then I delivered the joke properly. But I was like, I'm not fucking mumbling over a goddamn joke when this could be a big opportunity for me. Oh, so you kind of, oh, you almost like emceed yourself. Yeah, like, I like, literally like, I like flubbed it and I went, no, no. And then everyone got really quiet and weird for a second. And I was like, we're not doing that. I'm like, because the host also explained that comics might do this and no one had done it yet in the show. And I was like, fuck, of course, I'm the one who has to fucking be embarrassing things. Sorry. No, but like you, you fucking did it because you knew it had to be done. Like you, it had you, to did, be done, yeah. you didn't just breeze past it and just go, OK, whatever happens. I had a very similar thing back when I used to play music. Um, I, through through luck and circumstance, ended up opening for De La Soul at a gig uh, in Leamington in front of a thousand people, which is the biggest gig oh, I ever wow. played as a musician. <clears throat> and I used to play stuff with a loop pedal, but the whole thing is based on the first loop that you record. So if you, f if you fluff that slightly, there's no way of putting that right unless you start the whole thing again. And I tried to breeze past it and I stopped. And I was like, you know what? This is the biggest gig I've ever played. This isn't the way it's supposed to sound. We if it's okay with you guys, I want to start this one again because they, I really want to nail this. It's like, is that cool with you? And they were all kind of got on board because I explained it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think people just honestly like honesty too. When someone's that honest with you, they're like, yeah, I can get behind this. This person's not being a phony. Like, and also they all heard me flub the line. So it's like, I'm not gonna, you know, you know I fucked up. Yeah, because like if you try and style it out, they're probably just gonna go, mm, yeah, we, you have, you've not got away with that. No, not at all. But if you own it, then they almost give you more credit. Exactly, and I was like, and then they laughed really hard at that joke, and I was like, well, there you go. See, it's funny when you hear the fucking normal ending of it. And I'm mumbling. Were you one of those musicians who always wanted to do stand up? Did you, where, did you start stand up or music? I started in music, so. Okay. Um, I was I was like an open mic musician, like just one dude in a guitar t singing songs about ex girlfriend, depressing the fucking room. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. And then um, I, well, is it okay? Um, I was saving up to propose to my then girlfriend. She dumped me, so I took all the money and bought a loop pedal and several other instruments and started working on this crazy little side project. Um, and it 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 kind of escalated very quickly, and I ended up playing quite big gigs because um, I won a competition. Because it was it was a bit gimmicky, but the songs were there. Um, yeah. And I decided 
the first gig that I played that had a really big audience, I was like, right, the guy that I almost created like this persona, like the guy that goes on stage doesn't give a fuck if he fucks up. He'll take the piss out of himself. Um, like he doesn't care. Um, so I started making little wisecracks in between songs and would get laughs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I got the job that I do now, my day job, um, the music kind of fell by the wayside because it's the first job I got where I had to really focus on what I was doing because it was a great opportunity. And um, so I never intended to stop playing. It just kind of happened. And then a year goes by and uh, my wife and I uh, got married and I wrote my speech. And I, I stole a couple of jokes off like groom speeches from YouTube, but I wrote a couple of bits myself and they went over. Mm-hmm. And that feeling, I was just like, now, the backstory of all that is that I've always had this real fondness and appreciation for stand-up and I, that I don't think normal people have. Like, I think if you want to do stand-up, <laughs> okay. you, you perceive it in a slightly different way. Yes. So I kind of always had it in the back of my head that it would be something I would love to try if I could figure out where to start. Um, so I, I did the speech and the, the seed was definitely there. And then um, we went to the Edinburgh Festival that summer, and I just we saw Glenn Wool, who's one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. And I just turned to my wife. I was like, I need to do it because I, I wasn't playing music, so I needed something performative because it gives, yeah, it gives you that shot. You know, there's that little switch in your head, that little hit of adrenaline. Like it's, I wanted to do something performative that would, but I didn't have to drag all these instruments around because like when I was doing the loop pedal thing it was guitar, bass uh, vocal mic, keyboard, sampler glockenspiel so I was like literally running around it was very fun to do and very fun to watch but it was a lot of work Um, so I yeah so I I did like a a course that kind of pointed you in the right direction and then went from there Um, so yeah it's crazy it's but like because I know like a lot of musicians always like say, I've always wanted to be a comedian or like vice versa. Like anytime I watch like a band live, I'm like, oh, I wish that was me. But I have, um, I tried playing the drums for a year. Did not take. I would just like blare Queens of the Stone Age in my ears and like try to drum along. I'm like, why wouldn't I pick something easier? Like, why am I opening on freaking like Dave Roll? Like, am I an idiot? The coordination involved. Like, I know it's, bas- <sighs> it's basically counting and learning patterns, but... That I just, it's so difficult. Well, you'll like this. I, um, <laughs> the only other instrument I was learning to play was the bagpipes. <laughs> no! I wish I was fucking joking. Yeah, my parents, because of the whole Highland thing, they wanted me to learn the bagpipes so I could play at the competitions. That's how psychotic I was involved. I played, I played, because well, you have to learn on the chanter first. So I played the chanter for like about a year. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. very hard. The finger grouping is fucked. Like, you do this weird thing with your pinky. You have to, like, flick around. And I thought my teacher was a pervert because he would always, like, stare at my chest, but that's where you have to hold the thing. It didn't take. He ended up, like, I got I got pipes, and he was, like, sucking the reed like a dick. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't like him. I feel uncomfortable. So I quit. So I never became a professional bagpipe player. Nuts, because people love the sound of that. God <laughs> damn it. It's a fucking nightmare sound. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, like I looked at your playlist, and it's it's, it's a, good. It's a solid mixtape. Like I, I, I kn- know, I knew when you sent it through. What one thing, like, because we've not met in person. We, you no. you you are one of my hit and hope 
DMs where I go, I do this thing, it'd be cool if you came on and you came back really quick going, this sounds awesome. And then usually people come back with their playlist a day or two later, maybe I have to chase them a week later. Five or 10 minutes later, <laughs> you are firing off your mi- your mixtape. Prematurely, you, you, you click send before you'd finished the did. whole 10 songs. I was so excited. I, will, I was very excited because like, a lot of people have been reaching out about like podcasts and stuff over quarantine. So I'm like, I'm on my phone a lot now. And the second I saw the board music, I was like, what is this guy talking about? Because all I want to do when I'm not talking about comedy, I'm talking about music. That's all I like. I have been to so many fucking shows. I just, well, we'll get into more of that. But like, I'm like, I got really excited and I think I have a good taste in music. I like, obviously everyone thinks they have a good taste in music, but like I think it's an eclectic list and um, I'm very excited. And you, you, thing is, you're going in hard. Like your opening track. I my opening track's pretty crazy. Who's your opening track by? Death from Above, 1979. They're not a subtle outfit. No, they're not subtle. They are my favorite band of all time. They are from the area in Toronto I grew up in, East York, Eastside Toronto, and I have been obsessed with them. Um, I saw them play probably one of their first shows. They first big shows they played in Toronto and I became a super fan and I think I've seen them at this point about 18 times. Amazing. So like I'm a crazy lunatic. Uh, I got into them off the back of uh, a, a workmate of mine, a guy called Daryl Charles, um, who was kind of like one of my mentors when I first started working where I am now. Um, really good dude, but like when you when you get shown Death From Above 1979 for the first time it's there's a what the fuck is this kind of moment Mm -hmm. I have a playlist on my phone that's called wake the fuck up you're driving which is for when I'm driving back from a gig late at night Uh and I'm starting to nod because there's no sleeping through one of their tracks no no, no, they're, they're a good workout album, they're a good pump-up album, they're a good driving album. Every Everything everything about them, I'm just like, of course, like if you want to relax and sit down, you're not going to listen to them, but like, they, I don't know, I, I'm like, also they're both hot, so that, that definitely, that definitely helps. But they, um, I, that's how the first time I saw them. It was, they were opening, opening, opening for, I don't know if you know Alexis on Fire or Monine, mm-hmm. these are very Canadian bands. Opening, opening for them. And I remember we're staying in this place called The Cool House. It was like a really old school, wicked fucking video in Toronto that's now condos. It's a nightmare. Anyways, you know, the first band goes on, no one listens. So we see them up there setting up their equipment. We're like, okay, losers. They can't even fucking, they set up their own stuff. So everyone's just kind of like ignoring them and talking. The second they started playing, the entire crowd, I'm talking like hundreds of people, just went completely mute, turned their head, and everybody at the same time went, what the fuck is this? And then it just, it became a giant mosh pit. And everyone was just like, ah, like party pit. Like not like those pits where like you're getting punched in the face or like, it's like just like a fun, like everyone's just like their bodies just like gyrating because they have no other choice but to like lose their fucking minds over what they're hearing. Like they blew everyone's fucking tits off and then they just finished. Packed up. They're, they're also very funny. Their banter, see, their stage banter is hilarious. See, I, I, I never got the chance to, to see him. Um, I but I, th- I think there's a documentary that came about that came out about them recently. It just came out, and I was so pissed off I didn't know about it. I just watched it two nights ago. I was up till fucking three in the morning watching it, like a crazed lunatic. Like I think I might watch it this weekend. As, you as need to a, watch it. 
as I'm currently sort of grounded because my wife and I have had COVID. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, stay in, watch, watch this stuff. Lots of fun. Um, but has the doc? I mean, has the documentary prompted them getting back together and doing more stuff? Or I think it it, it just kind of was showing. I guess I, I feel like the person who was filming it was maybe documenting them just in general, and then they had the breakup, and then they kind of came back. But um, that breakup hit me hard. That was a, I think it's the first time I I cried over a band. Like I was like uh, completely obsessed with these guys. Like it was like I was I was driving all around Ontario to see them. Like I was driving to London, Ontario, then I went to uh, Montreal to see them. Like, I was just like I was a cra- I was a crazed fan that they knew who I was. Like that's yeah. how psychotic I was. I'd be at the front of all the shows. I remember when they first started like getting bigger in Toronto, not even bigger, like started playing a lot in Toronto. It was me and like five other weird guys, a bunch of weirdos, and we'd always see each other and we'd start talking at the shows because it was just us by ourselves there to see them. Like I used to be so obsessed with Sebastian. Like he would sweat and I would just like wipe it into my I was like, it's sick. It's actually it's actually <laughs> it's actually not normal how fucking obsessed. I was once in the middle of ordering um a pita. Pita Pit is like a stupid pita place in Toronto. Mid-order, I look outside and I see them walking by and I'm like, <gasps> so I ran out, grabbed Sebastian's arm and he's like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And I'm like, I can't let go. I don't know what's going on right now. And there was just, it ended up being a hilarious interaction. And like, I told them I lived near them and then they had like a nickname for me. It was, it was insane how obsessed I was with this fucking band. And actually the Bill Burr fucking set, I just saw Death Above at the same venue, the Telegram Ballroom before, um, like a few months before I got the Bill Burr thing. So I went on stage and did an open, the beginning of my set, they kept it in, I don't know why, because it's not very funny, but I did an opening riff about moshing and it was about Death From Above. And then I tagged them on Instagram. I was like, hey, I Death From Above, this opening joke is about you guys. And then they commented back heart face. And I was like, oh my God, they know who I am. Like, I'm, a, I'm psychotic. Like I like, it's not normal. I, like, I would get a tattoo of them. Like I'm that crazy. Okay, so this first track is? So the first track is called Little Girl. All right, so moving on, Death From Above 1979. Who's going up next? Next is uh, Alanis Morissette. Another Canadian act. Oh yeah, we gotta represent the Canadians as much as we can here. They, Alanis Morissette was like one of the first albums um, I really heard my dad playing for some reason. He was really, when You Oughta Know came out, that album, it was like kind of mind blowing and changing for females in general. Like it was just like, I, it, in my opinion, it was like, especially like, cause my dad before would blare like Stone Temple Pilots or like, Nirvana or like Smashing Pumpkins. My dad had a pretty good taste in music. And then he out of nowhere was like blasting Alanis Morissette. I was like, what is this? And she was so fucking powerful. And her voice has such like a, no, the word's not grit to it or something, but it's like, she's so, it was so honest and real and like different, but also like good. And it was just, it was, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like empowering to be like, look at this fucking Canadian woman killing it and like talking about like, shit like guys fucking her over and like just saying it and like swearing in a song and i'm like excuse me love a good swear word toss into a song it just felt really it just felt great and it's now it's it's become like 
I listen to the song whenever I'm in a bad mood or like driving somewhere. It's like my pump up song. And uh, it's my go-to karaoke song and I don't sing. I really cannot sing at all, but it is my go-to like if I'm partying or like I want to have a fun car sing-along. Every time I put this on, everybody in the car goes fucking wild for it. Yeah, Little Pill got overplayed here in the UK to the point where I got pretty tired of Alanis Morissette. I actually wrote like a, a funny song taking the piss out of her at one point. Um, but you ought to know. I'm sorry. I, look, I apologize. <laughs> I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but what I would say is you ought to know is the one Alanis song that I could listen to for the rest of my days because you know what? The first time I heard it, I thought it was another band. I thought it was Skunk Nancy. I don't know if you know who they no. are. It's a kind of a UK rock outfit with a um, uh, female uh, like singer um, called Skin. Uh, beautiful black woman, skinhead, um, really in your face. And the attitude was so full on. I just assumed it was them. But I found out much later it wasn't. It was it was Alanis. I was just and, and I'd heard all the other material before I'd heard You Ought to Know, and I was like, oh, that song is amazing. Yeah, it's and, it's definitely the standout on the album. And that's the that's the first song that I remember seeing Taylor Hawkins like because he was such a kind of he was an iconic drummer before people knew his name. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. But it's, that's that's an amazing song. Um, yeah, the song, it's, it's, and she, and like her videos are, are like always interesting and like crazy. And, and then when I found out the song was about Dave Coulier, I was like, well, this can't get any better right now. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes, You Ought to Know is about her breakup with Dave Coulier from Full House. Uncle Joey from Full House. Like, it was crazy. Wow. It was, a- yeah, yeah, it was a nice piece of information I got years ago. I'm like, well, this just made it some, I don't know why better, but somehow it did. That's amazing. Okay, so yeah. this is? You ought to know. So, following on from Alanis Morissette, who are we listening to now? Blink-182, which is it's an embarrassing chunk of my life and an embarrassing... I mean, I guess it's not embarrassing now, but I... It was the first band that I geeked out on before Death From Above. I geeked out on so hard uh, that it, it became quite an issue. I almost got the Blink-182 bunny tattooed on my lower back. Um, but my mom called me as I was en route to the tattoo shop in fucking tears. She's like, you're not getting that. I'm like, it's too late. It's, it wasn't too late. I still kind of do wish I had it because it would be so fucking embarrassing to have a, a blink when I do tramp stamp and be like, ooh, who's that? Just the, the punk bunny, like it's so stupid. But I was like, I my entire bedroom was head to toe posters of Blink-182. Like I'm talking like there wasn't a, a square inch that wasn't covered. Like I'd find a little article and I'd cut it out and put it down. My mom got me for my birthday in the mall. They had like a, a cardboard cutout stand up with the three of them at like a record store. And my mom went in there and begged them for it when they were done with it. My mom got it for my birthday. So I had a stand up cardboard cutout 
like half the size of me, a blank one in my fucking bedroom. I, this is very personal, but I used to masturbate to Tom DeLonge. I think every night, like I would look at his posters and like, it was so psycho. Like, I was like, I have a problem. <laughs> like I think I have an actual problem, but I was like, I saw them, I almost swam across this disgusting, they were playing in Toronto uh, opening for Green Day and they were at this uh, place with mostly amphitheater and around like a harbor, so a bunch of boats. The water is stagnant. It's green, it's murky. And I saw Tom across this dock and I literally looked at my friends, I'm like, I'm swimming. They're like, you're not fucking swimming in your full clothes to see this fucking, and I was like so close to doing it. It was, um, it was wild. I, I bought all their albums. I bought all their merch. I had sweaters, hats. Like it was like crazy. My fucking parents hated it. My dad would piss me off and be like, anytime we got in a fight, he's like, I'm gonna rip down your Blink 183 posters. I'm like, you know it's Blink 182. And he would always say 183 just to piss me off. But it was like, I was like crazy over them. Like I didn't know, cause I never was into like, Hanson was like big with kids of my age or like, boy bands, like I was never into like NSYNC or, or Backstreet Boys. It was like always Blink-182 and like, then that opened my mind to like better punk music or actual punk music. Like Minor Threat and Bad Religion, No Effects came after I got into like that. But I was like, they kind of opened up my mind to like that kind of style. And they were also very funny. So I liked them before I was doing comedy in um, Dude Ranch. Uh, there they had like little bits in between and like little like sketchy, funny stuff, whatever. So I always found them very, very funny and they're funny in like interviews and and all that stuff i'm all worked up i got all worked out talking you, about you got music. you got animated there uh, the, the the clip yeah, the, the clip about the cardboard stand-up is definitely going to be the instagram promo video um <laughs> so i got introduced to blink 182 twice so um when i sort of grew up like my first job i was i worked sort of within the snowboard industry here in the uk and a lot of a lot of snowboarders were into Blink One. They were in Blink One Eighty Two. So, and damn it, was the track that kind of like, what is that? Because it was it was such a good tune. And then years later, when Enemy of the State came out and they released What's uh, What's My Age Again, that's another tune that I heard and went, what is that? I need to know what that is. And I didn't realise it was the same band because obviously it was so much more kind of produced and a little bit cleaner. But like I obsessed over that album. Like it's it's so much better than some people might give it credit for because Blink 182 just get labeled this sort of pop punky kind of yes. Well, and like what's my age again too? That's like probably one of the only songs that there's I didn't know and all the small things I didn't really like those. Those to me were a bit too poppy. That's why I was like heavily into like Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch for like my top two albums of theirs. Like their newer stuff with their old drummer before Travis. But, but, but there are tracks within Enema of the State that are really, really nice and they're yeah. they, and they sound gorgeous in headphones because oh, yeah. there's there's a, there are way more layers to some of that music than you would imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, and oh man, I listen to that album so much. Um, so I so I understand. Like, I, I I never masturbated over them. Granted, <laughs> well, but... not yet. <laughs> you you still... haven't yet. There's still time. There's still time. There is still time. <laughs> oh my There's God. definitely time. That's a sad realization. It um. really is. <laughs> <laughs> so this track is? Josie. Okay, so 
following on from Bling 182, who we're listening to next. Mm -hmm. So we're next listening to the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, who, if you don't know, you have a problem. They were American, but they weren't they big in they were. Britain and stuff? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they are. Uh, Karen O is unbelievable to watch live. She's like, just like an angelic angel of a woman. That, um, album fever to tell is like that was like a, a big part of my like let's say youth but like a big part of my like early 20s was spent like seeing her i uh, was seeing them at like bonnaroo or like coachella like i, I was traveling around like a, a lunatic to see her um no Lollapalooza, that's what it was uh me and my friends were like big yay ass fans we like went all the way to chicago to do this whole thing to see them it was just like that album was like very powerful and uplifting but also like just like funky and dancey and like i um my sketch troupe it was just me and another girl lady stash and every uh every sketch show we did um the song uh that i will tell you in a second was the one that we played every time we performed it was like our go-to song so before we went on stage we'd be like <clears throat> and get ourselves worked up like it was just one of those like one of those songs that every time i like at a party i'd play it like it was just like, again, always on my like my mixed CDs, which I still have in my car right now because I still have a CD player. I'm old school. It's all it's on like half of them because it was just like every like and that either newer stuff is amazing. Like they've they've kept up this very ulti, like poppy, like I don't even know dancey. I don't know what it is, exactly how to explain them. But they're like very uplifting. Oh, absolutely fun. He, he, even their sad songs are weirdly uplifting. Like maps like the first time i heard maps i saw the video uh and uh i was going through some personal stuff at the time and you know when you hear like a tr track that almost completely fits the moment yeah and i was just like oh my god and it just one of those one of those moments where the song just fucking grabs you and just like right yep. I'm, I'm gonna be listening to that for the rest of my fucking life now yeah and yeah, absolutely astounding band. Um, She's or, also so genuine at Lollapalooza. Actually, this all ties in. She uh, messed up. The, the, she was in the middle of singing Maps and she like messed up. And she like went blank for a second. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, I can't believe I forgot the words. And the whole crowd was just starts cheering her on. She goes, we got to take that again. So she started Maps again. And she was like so flustered and embarrassed. But it was like such a cute, genuine moment to see someone be so real at such and like they were like one of the headliners at the at Lollapalooza so it was like they were so real and like it was it was nice to like see uh, that genuine moment with someone that famous and like that you look up to you're like oh yeah they're a real person and they can make mistakes and it's like it was very nice all right so this is date with a night So that's the yeah, yeah, yes. Who's up next? Mm -hmm. uh, Radiohead, which is it hacked to have Radiohead on the list? No, it's not. It's really not. Because I would also say uh, Radiohead is uh, my top three favorite bands of all time. Um, this song is from uh, the album In Rainbows, and uh, that came out when I broke up with my long term boyfriend. Um, 
when I was 24 and it was like this album, I remember I would just bike around at night with my headphones on all across Toronto. I had this big blue baby blue cruiser bike that I'd bike on. And it was just like, it took me to like a different place. Like it's like, you know, so some albums just like take you, take you away from reality for like the second they go in your ears. And like anytime now this day, I'll think about him and I'll think about the other things I was going through at the time, but it's still like, I, I, there's something about Tom York. I, I'm a crazy lunatic and I went and I, he was doing a solo project in Coachella the year after. And I flew from fucking Toronto to LA to Coachella by myself. I had nobody else with me. I didn't even have a fucking campsite. I had to like camp with these strangers. I had no car. I paid $400 for this like cab service to drive me from LAX to fucking, anyways, it was a, it was a wild weekend to go to Coachella by yourself at 24 years old. Don't know why my parents let me do that. They really shouldn't have. Cause there's a couple times I'm like, I could die here. No one would know where the fuck I was. But um, I, the only time I've ever in my life cried at a, at a concert was um, at Lollapalooza the same year I saw Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Radiohead was headlining and they started playing in rainbows. Like a lot of tracks just come out then. And uh, Tom York didn't realize, but behind him, all these fireworks started going off. And I remember I looked over at my friend and the whole audience, you know when you're in those like pits where it's like, not a pit, but it's like everyone's kind of shoving and it's annoying. Everyone just kind of stopped and we all just kind of flowed the exact same time. Like this congealed group of people. I looked over at my friend who was like within arm's reach and we both were streaming tears down our face. Like I, I don't even know what exactly I was crying from or what it had sparked in me, but we both at the same time were, and then we looked over, other people were crying and I was like, what is going on right now? It was like one of those moments where you're like, oh fuck, music really does touch some people in such a way. And it was like, it was really wild. And I still think about that. I'm like, I've never like just listened to a song and like bawled my eyes out before, but it was like the, the whole experience and like, Everything just kind of came together at once. Like this one was, was really like, oh, I'm supposed to be here right now. I'm supposed to be seeing this. I'm supposed to be feeling this. Like this is all perfect, this exact moment. And it was. And um, also any, anything Tom York does is amazing. I weirdly have a crush on him. I did not masturbate to him because his one eye does blink, I think at a different time as the other eye. But I still would. I still, <laughs> I still would definitely, uh, I would marry Tom York if I could. Okay, so this is? This is The Reckoner. Okay, so following on from the revelation that there are two people on this playlist that you want to knock one out to. I mean, we're not done the playlist yet. There's probably more. Who's next? There's probably. Next is Daft Punk, which I mean, if you don't like Daft Punk, I don't know, I don't know what your problem is. That yeah. they're unreal. I I don't know of another act that fills a crowd with pure joy like those guys do i've seen so you've seen them live i i'm very upset they're i think the only band one of the only two bands on this list i haven't seen live it's it it's one of those things where just like you can feel the anticipation and when every time they 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 drop like like one of their iconic tracks it just takes it up a notch 
You can mm-hmm. feel the positivity in the room. It's crazy. The, uh, this whole album was like a, a kind of a game changer for me when it came to like electronic music, really, because I used to be into. I had like dance mix. I don't know if you guys had like those dance mix things. Like we had like dance mix '92, and it was like uh, rhythm is a dancer and uh, gypsy woman, like all those like old mm-hmm. like '90s. And I'm like, I was into that. But then this album and this song specifically like changed my mind to like electronic and opened up this whole new like. I'm like, oh, I I don't just like like pop punk. I I like like. I like this whole dancing and I got like really into clubbing for a few years. Uh, and this specific song um, was not a reason I got into comedy, but a reason I realized I uh, was quite creative. I um, reenacted the whole dance for my grade t- uh, 10 um, student government performance. Me and my friend, I taught her the whole dance and I memorized each part and we did it and we won like social functions, whatever the fuck it was. And we were on the student government for two years because of the reenactment of this. And then I got into like heavily into drama after that. Cause everyone's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, I don't know, I'm a physical psychopath. But it was like, any anytime it comes on still to this day, I can get up and do like the full, like a lot of the dance moves. It's very crazy. Like the mummy and the robot, it's, it's insane. Okay, so this is? Around the world. Okay, moving on. This is a good playlist. It is a good playlist. It really is good. So moving on from Daft Punk, who we got next? We got uh, Deftones, which is a change. This is a bit of a change here. I think I actually did not see them live either, but this was like a phase, uh, a big phase of mine in high school where I like met a bunch of like cooler, more intellectual people who are like, you know, like, you know, their music isn't just like, with my age again they're like actually sing shit in their songs and like it was just like a big time change for my life when i listened to them i listened to like glass jaw and if you know glass jaw and like rage against the machine and um at the drive-in it was like that whole phase where i like changed friend groups and became like much more open to like shit that was going on in the world and i wasn't so like stuck in my little bubble it was just like a very eye-opening experience i don't know how or why but like yeah, I, just, I felt like I became smarter this year and I kind of grew up like when I heard them and like, yeah, I, I like got involved with like a, a good crew of people who were like set me in the right direction who weren't just like, you know, you know, high school, you can somehow you, when you go into high school, you can find yourself with like kind of I, I ended up being with like two Valley girls at the beginning. I was like, this is not me, but I didn't even realize until I met like these people that were like, I guess you could say borderline goths. I did wear a dog collar for a few years in, in high school. I'm not proud of it. I'm definitely not proud of it. But that that whole crew and this era of music kind of like, you know, made me, uh, made me see the world, I think, a bit more. Yeah, I, Deftones aren't a, a, a hooky, melody-driven kind of outfit. They're more texture and substance and like massive, mm. grandiose sounds. Now, I saw them. Uh, uh, the Download Festival, which is not far from where I live in the Midlands, and I didn't enjoy it that much because... <gasps> they're not good live? No, no, I, it's not that they're not good live. I just think, and I, I spoke about this with another comedian mate of mine who's a big music nerd, because there's so mu- there's so many layers to what they do. At a big outdoor space where the wind is blowing sound around and it's it's not contained, 
it's not easy to find where you are within the music whereas yeah. if, like if in a smaller venue or on a record and you hear it in the headphones you can hear what the intention is and i just think some of that gets lost in a big open air environment and plus you're at the mercy of whoever's on the sound on that day you know yeah. um so i i just don't think i could appreciate everything that they were doing okay that that's set, fair you know um mm -hmm. But like having said that, like I love, I love their music. Like I, I've never listened to like an album like front to back, but I have my favourites of of stuff that they've put out. Um, so like I have a I have a list of of bands that come up through doing this this podcast, where I go right. I need to spend more time with this band, and sort of go back and work my way through rather than just know these these sort of tentpole tracks. Um, and they're definitely one of those. Um, and I got, I got suckered into like a clickbaity thing the other day, and it and it wasn't because I'm a massive Deftones fan. It's just because I was so shocked by the headline that I thought I might send it to a friend of mine that I know is, and it says Gino leaves Deftones. I was like, holy shit! And I clicked it, and it just went through to a register to vote thing for the U.S. Uh -huh. And I was just like, that is fucking genius. That's a hilarious thing to get people to like vote though. Like that was their go-to. That's so funny. But yeah, I didn't you there's that many big Deftones fans still in the States. No, but you could just come up with 20 clickbaity headlines oh, like yeah. that. Like, oh my God, she's dead or you know, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And you just get click on it and just go, oh, okay. That just seems so specific. I guess they are. It's like, well, you know, obviously there's, there's someone in a political planning meeting go, we need the Deftone fans. Yeah, we need to get their vote in because it ain't going to be for Trump. <laughs> so, uh, you say one more thing about Deftones or this track in particular and we'll lead it, into it. Yeah, this track in particular is something that I, I, I kind of forgot about the song and then I, in the last year, re-downloaded it and I listened to it like probably once a week. I don't know why it calms me down in a weird way, but... It's, uh, it's change. No, but I get that because there's lots of, there's lots of contrast within change. Like there's these really nice sort of minimal verses um, really atmospheric kind of little bits of reverbs and and then it just erupts. Yeah. So like I I, I like no, that I, build. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I I get the chilled side of it. I understand that. All right. Who's next? Next is Joe Budden. So I um I used to DJ uh, a little okay. bit back in Toronto in my early years i would uh i would sometimes do a stand-up show that i would transfer into a dance party and uh i i had a specific i would say four to five tracks that i would play every single time i dj didn't matter where it was and this was one of them this uh will smith's miami which i didn't want to put on the list because it's embarrassing but i don't it's a catchy tune <laughs> and people like to dance to it q-tips breathe and stop uh nelly it's getting hot in here and La Tigra, um, 
what is that song called? Who put the bomb in the bomb? I know it's, the, yeah, I know that exactly song. What you mean. Those were like my five go-to songs I would DJ. Like it was a very weird phase. My name was DJ Tanner. Uh, another Full House reference. Nobody cared for it or understood it. And it was like four years of my life where I, got, I had never like made my own tracks. It was always me like mixing stuff together, or whatever. But it was like, yeah, it was. Uh, I ended up like bartending at this place I DJed at, and like I would like bartend and go up DJ, but go back. It was it was insane. I got my sister into it, and like, and two of my best friends. We were like this like traveling little DJ group. And then anytime I'd go to this uh, Montreal Sketch Festival, I would end up DJing the fucking final party because I'd just be up there like blaring me. I'm like, I wasn't even that. I could kind of mix some songs like I would practice like the songs I knew that would mix well together yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was like why am I getting carried away with DJing I should be concentrating on my comedy like what I'm not going to be a DJ like what I had like a pretty shitty mixer but it was like oh yeah it was like a big chunk of my like mid-20s of me like doing DJ gigs and like I'm like I'm doing gigs now over over stand-up I'd be like playing these shitty birthdays and then I ended up like my mom has these big dancing conferences Highland Dancing and I would like DJ those for these like kids and then those really turned me off because it'd be a bunch of like moms like uh, my daughter came up and asked you to play this and you did not so I'm not sure why I'm like we're not doing this you don't realize how annoying it is to get requests like I think it'd be I, I'd like it if somebody asked me to get like request like a a joke we'd be like can you play this I'd be like uh, yeah I can say that but I think you know DJ especially she's like you don't, you don't feel that creative because it's like it's not your it's not your work yeah yeah and the thing is like especially if they request a song that you're not into you're like no, but if they requested something, if they, if they all requested something that was a banger that you loved, that would be fine. Yeah, exactly. But that's not what happens. No, and but Joe Budden, um, I just really liked his. Uh, I, I have actually his album on vinyl, and um, it's the only like hip hop album I have on vinyl, which is upsetting. But yeah, I just liked. Uh, I always liked his voice, and again, I did want to sleep with him. So I mean, maybe this list is heavily. <laughs> Heavily based around man, I wanted to sleep with. Maybe it is. I don't know, but they're all good tracks. Okay, so this is Pump It Up. Also, a very good getting ready for a show song. No, like I could see that. Stand up show, it's a very like, mm, 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 like it's a good jammer. I could see that. All right, so moving on from Joe Biden, who are we listening to now? Do you like Glass Animals? Not heard of it. <gasps> see, this is the thing. Okay, so they've been around for a while, and I first heard this album uh, way too late in life. Like, I remember it was like maybe three years ago, and this album is from 2014, I believe. So, Glass Animals is a very alty but like uplifting like this album uh is also i would say my number one go-to sex uh, album and that's always you always need to have that line on not even sex like a good like you have somebody over you want to set the mood but you don't want to be too much or you don't want to put on like what's that song well like barry white yeah 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 you don't want to put on like something like that crazy so this is a nice little backgroundy but also it's a good like chill traveling music like you're on the road going somewhere um but this album like was one of those albums where i'm like oh i need to do a bit more research into music because i i was so pissed off i just found out about this and it's so god you're i'm telling you right now you're gonna listen to glass animals and be like what was i doing why did how did i somehow miss this this band for this long but this album is a very 
I would say it's the most sexual album that uh, I've listened to, and especially this song that I really enjoy um, is like I can I have a, a little spank bank of all the guys that I've uh, <laughs> I've slept to this song. Right, and Steph, I only Steph, Steph, hold on, right? I... <laughs> is this a PG podcast? No, it's not. It's really not. But uh, <laughs> like I, I want you to know, right? I, I recorded an episode with another stand-up in the UK that hasn't gone out yet uh, with a, a lady called Ems Coombs um, and she is filthy right and she has no filter but she has a good reason because she's she survived a stroke and her brain has been affected so she she literally has no filter she she says whatever the fuck she wants because she knows life's too short and it just comes out and she made me fucking howl during the conversation you're dirtier than she is and she's got legitimate brain damage <laughs> that's actually that's actually the nicest thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I have a problem. I am. Maybe I'm gonna start telling people that I had a stroke. And that's the issue. <laughs> I think that's what I'm gonna do. It's it, it's been one of the more um, sexually charged conversations we've we, like, we we've had here at mixtapes. But I I'm enjoying it. Realize? I didn't even realize. Like looking back on it, I honestly didn't even realize. Like that's anyway. the worst part. Back to your spank bank. So my spank bank. So I I would only play this album with guys that I liked because I didn't want to ruin it because it's such a good album even without the spank bank part. It's such a good album. So I'd like to have it. Um, I only have like good memories of men. Okay. So the song is called Gooey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very it's very sensual. You'll see. You'll you're gonna want to use it. I'm telling you right now. You're laughing now and then. Once COVID passes, you and your wife are gonna get all hot and horny and you're gonna blare it and be like, she wasn't wrong. You didn't see that coming, did you? I realized, I, yeah, I wanted to change that halfway through. <laughs> oh, shit. That's amazing. So uh, it's where your last track now, right? My last track, uh, we're going to end it with another Canadian band, the Tragically Hip. Now, do you know the Tragically Hip? No, I do not know the Tragically Hip, but I, I listened to your mixtape the other day uh, because we were originally going to record this a couple of days ago, but we had to reschedule. Um, and I, I recognize the name of the band, but really didn't know any of the songs. So why don't you tell me all about them? So they are a Canadian staple. They are unbelievable. They have been played. Oh my God. They It's something any Canadian you talk to has grown up on. It's like our parents listen to it. We listen to it. They just were always on the radio. It's just that band that like any age group can listen to. Like you, you put them on, you're like, it's a perfect, like my parents have a cottage in Canada. So it's like a very cottagey, can't be like friends traveling group like it's just like one of those staple bands that as a canadian you know and love and they're amazing they have been playing there for years so the lead singer um they're also like their songs are very moving a lot of them they're also very canadian heavy references and stuff um but the lead singer uh passed away a few years ago of a brain uh tumor i believe 
And um, the last show they did, they did a live stream on CBC and it was a live stream across the world. I remember I was in LA getting ready to go to a show and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it and I might cry. After every song, he went around and kissed all of the band members like on the lips. Like he was, they knew it was their last show. Like our, the prime minister was there for God's sakes crying. Like it was like such, they are such a Canadian staple <laughs> and like, they all were just crying as they were playing and then he ended up dying like I think shortly after that last show and it was like just this in immensely upsetting uh, but powerful performance because you're like this was like can a Canadian icon like they're like probably anyone you asked they're probably like the, one of the best Canadian bands ever and this song specifically is really crazy it's re if you really have to listen to the words it's it's sad it's very sad it's um it's a true story it's about uh his brother and it was like uh, i i guess i'll give a bit of a, a, a background before i say the, the name it's it's just about it might ruin it but it's it's about uh his his brother who um their sister uh, was raped and the brother went and, and and killed the guy and then his brother went to jail and everyone like shunned the family and like made them seem like he's a murderer but his sister was like violently raped and like it's it it's a very <laughs> and that's my sex story no and like, it's just like i said all these like sexual things when i'm saying this it just, it just did not go together i didn't realize how sad i'm like ending on such a sad note but it's such a moving song and it's like it, it puts a again it kind of gives you that perspective to be like holy shit like yeah, wow, what would you do in that situation? Like, I, I like I, I, I openly talked about it with my dad for a long time, and he's like, if that happened to you and your sister, I don't know what to tell you, but I would have gone to jail too. Like, it's it's, it's one of those just songs too that gets a conversation going. It's really, like, it's interesting. It's very sad, and it's very true. And it's, um, I think he's I think he's out now, but it was like, it's a very powerful song. It's like one of the first songs too that I heard that I was like, holy shit, like, this is like, gut-wrenching and also catchy like it's it's crazy for something to be that real and that like sounding amazing it's, it's wild there has to be a documentary about these guys sure there there must be there must be because they're like unreal like they've, they've been doing and every album they came out they have so many hit songs it's like insane like I have their greatest album, but it's like they every album you listen to, you're like oh yeah, yeah, I'll this one, yeah. Like you just like as a Canadian, you don't even realize you're singing along because you've just heard them for so long. And they're like even the, every time they get played, they're the kind of band where like they're not overplay. Like you're not gonna change the radio station. You'll be like okay, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks um, for having me. I hope I didn't repulse you too much. I, I, I think I didn't realize how sex is involved in every aspect of my life, including I, I, my ears. Like, what the hell? I haven't laughed this hard recording these episodes, maybe ever. Um, oh, that's nice. This, yeah, this is. It's been very amusing uh, and enlightening. Um, I'm, Good. But uh, like, I really appreciate you coming on and doing it. But um, for the benefit of anyone who hasn't heard you before, um, what's, where's the best place to find out about you and your creative endeavors? I would say Instagram, at Steph Tolev. Um, that could guide you to my website that has all my videos and stuff on it. If you have Spotify or iTunes or anything like that, I have uh, four albums out there. I have two sketch comedy albums uh, under the name Lady Stash with my partner Alison Hogg. 
and I have two stand-up albums. My first one's called um, Hot and Hungry, and my second one's called I'm Not Well. And uh, you can buy I'm Not Well on vinyl. I'll have to ship it to you wherever the hell you are, but I am willing to do that because I have <laughs> I have a lot that I have to get rid of. So uh, it's a pink vinyl if you collect vinyl or like what I sound like. <laughs> I, I like with the, the 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 fact that it's pink vinyl makes me want it more. So. Yeah, if we can figure out a way to get something over, um, then yeah, I would, I would love to get, uh, I would love to. Uh, no, I will pay for a copy of that. Um, thank you. Well, look, thank you very much for coming on, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back for another episode at some point. Yes, please. I have lots of uh, music tastes here. Lots and more, of playlists. And more dirty stories, I hope. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, that concludes this week's episode. We've deliberately kept the music played below the conversation because we believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the links in the show notes of this episode. Or you can find and follow the Facebook page Mixtapes with Mike and I'll share those links on the post that announces this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media with anyone you think would enjoy it. It would mean even more if you would leave us a positive review on iTunes, as that will help us reach a larger audience. But in the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.